0: Now let's go to Talk Radio's Latin American correspondent, John Bonfiglio, in Mexico. Good morning to you. Good morning, Nick. Uh, I hope I hope you're well, because um, I am absolutely staggered by this um, story uh, that's that, that, that's broken. That I've I've got to press you on fear and excitement in El Salvador as Bitcoin becomes legal tender i mean explain it for some dim-witted non-digital person like me but this <coughs> sounds a bit risky apart from anything else
1: well look i'm i'm in the i'm in the same boat as you i'm also dim-witted and, and non-digital as well but it but it actually i think makes a lot of sense for, for el salvador And as you say this is a world first for them and it's not just like they've suddenly decided to you know to pull this rabbit out of a hat there are big fundamental reasons why it actually makes a lot of sense for them. One of them is the fact that it's going to make the re- remittances from North America, uh, which account for a quarter of their GDP, much cheaper. Essentially, for money to be sent from El Salvadorians in the US back to El Salvador, saving them about four hundred um, million dollars. They're also looking. It's an economy which has been in trouble since forever. It's it's never been a particularly positive uh, story internationally. But it also makes the president Naeem Bukele think that actually. He can steal a march on a number of other countries and actually gain a, a foothold in a new investment, if you like, for the country, which has never been achieved before. Um, and and also, I guess, two big things which also help it nationally are the fact that up to 70 percent of El Salvadorians are unbanked. They don't have a bank account, but there is a pretty significant digital reach in the country. So that basically means that you suddenly get online with a quasi-bank account or participating in that kind of economy, a vast swathe of El Salvadorians, because they're all being given a $30 Bitcoin wallet uh, to just to register and, and enter into the system. So so for them at the moment, for sure, are there risks involved? Very much so, but it makes a lot of sense for them, very specifically.
0: A- hang on, John, John, hang on. Did you just tell me that every single resident is going to get basically a 30 bit of 30 bitcoin or is it 30 dollars of bitcoin
1: no 30 dollars right so, 30 so, US so they dollars. just get
0: that it's a handout and like here's your opening it's like a, a an inducement to to have the the account and so forth uh,
1: absolutely and they've also installed installed uh, 200 atms cash points uh, bitcoin cash points in the country uh, and they're actually beginning to install some in the us as well for el salvadorian citizens there so it's it's not that it's it's gone without glitches there's definitely been uh, I mean, there's been some protests on the streets of um, about, of San Salvador. Um, and for sure, th- the system went down a couple of times early on in the first couple of days. But nobody was expecting anything. D- uh, you know, that they're swimming up river against. It's actually gone pretty, pretty well. Um, we're we're um, now two weeks in.
0: Well, it's 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 very innovative. But look, tell me, does this mean if I hop in a cab in El Salvador, I can pay by Bitcoin, basically?
1: Absolutely. Every shop and store in El Salvador now is legally obliged to accept Bitcoin as of 10 days ago.
0: But it's a very volatile currency, isn't it, in terms of its value? We've seen some huge spikes and some huge drops. Doesn't that... Isn't that quite a risk for the department store, the taxicab driver, who who might take something that he thinks worth, I don't know, $10 equivalent. And by the time he gets home, it could be $20 or $1. OK, I exaggerate, but you get my point.
1: No, very much so. And actually, the, the very first week that it came in, it lost 14% of its value, largely because the president actually bought another 200 Bitcoin and the market then re- thought that this was extremely risky. So uh, uh, absolutely at that point, and actually the volatility of the market, is the main reason or the main criticism that's been uh, levelled at the um, at the experiment, at this financial experiment? Because essentially, what people are saying is that the president is basically gambling with the national economy.
0: Um, the, the the sort of suspicion I have, but then I'm a cynical old ex politician, is that this aids corruption. It aids black money, if you like, that's uh, um, in the economy that shouldn't be in the economy, and you know. Uh, is any truth in that? Will politicians be able to be more fraudulent? Uh, you know, what's, what's, what, what's the take?
1: I think we need to look at the existing system and then think about what the new system is going to be. And the existing system is absolutely fraught with potential abuses of power and money laundering and so on. And obviously, you know, the uh, the links between uh, cartels and uh, and drug money and politicians throughout Latin America are fairly well documented. Um, and again, one of the accusations has been leveled that these new systems is that that's going to actually uh, st- make it easier for politicians to be able to get mm. involved in, in corruption, if you like. I don't see that this new system is actually makes it any easier for politicians to, to, um, to establish that. If anything, it's harder because they have to establish their own new systems within a new financial system. I'm not saying that that's not going to lead to that somewhere down the line, but it, it actually pulls the, the, the rug out from under the feet of existing corruption as it stands so certainly for the moment i see it as a positive move forward in terms of um removing the status quo uh you know those easy relationships that already exist uh, between um, cartels Mm. uh, organized crime and politicians in the region and certainly i think it's very worth uh, very much worth saying that the region in particular central america a number of countries of which actually share very similar characteristics to El Salvador, are watching very intently to see how this experiment goes.
0: Yeah, I just think the world's watching, actually. So, uh, listen, moving on, um, quite something that's probably made very little news over here. But um, the former head or maybe still or was the head of Shining Path uh tell us a little bit about that he's died abimal guzman i think his name was yeah this is a huge event out there isn't it in peru where of course uh they had a reign of terror effectively didn't they
1: very much so in the 80s and 90s and and um people of your and my age nick will remember in the 80s and 90s you know every couple of days on the on the news we'd hear a story about the Shining Path. Uh, guerrillas in peru and another atrocity and it kind of seemed to live in parallel to you know the troubles and and what was taking place with the ira at the time in in the uk i mean two very different kinds of organizations but for sure there was absolutely a reign of terror which was taking place in peru at the time the farc in colombia at the same time as well and up to seventy thousand people were killed in peru during that sort of 15 and, and they went for not,
0: civilians didn't they i mean this was the, very this much was so. not just military targets
1: no, it was it was it was it was a reign. It, as we said, you know the the classic phrase, a reign of terror. But it was absolutely about generating deep, deep innate fear in and across the country. And that's only a generation ago, and that's very much remembered. And this uh, this individual has died just now, well, a few days ago, in a in a military prison in in Peru. And interestingly, there's now a big debate there about what happens to his body because nobody's actually he's got no family members to to take the body on or to, to bury it. So there's now this big debate about what you do with essentially you know the body of an ex-terrorist. Do you cremate it? Do you give it over to science as the law states? Um, so that's very much a, a live wound there at the, at the moment. But regionally, a, a really big thing um, that, is, that is remembered and brings back haunting, terrifying memories for many people here.
0: He, he was a pure communist through and through, probably as pure as you could get in many respects. In a way, the... The the legacy, if I understand it right, is that it took a long time before even a left wing government isn't the current government left wing. And it's 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 the first current it's the first left wing government since um since shining path.
1: Yeah. And, and actually, this brings a lot of problems up for the current president who's only been in power for a month or so, Pedro Castillo, because as with Abimael Gu- Guzman, he is uh, a graduate of the education system in peru a number of his of his ministers the finance minister the education minister at at best had sympathies for the shining path if not were involved actually in some more significant way for them so this it's a very easy accusation now to say of the new president uh, well you know you are one of them and this could go very much that way um, once again for sure it's it's a big problem for him in terms of how he uh, how he represents himself differently to to what went before and this very high profile death just puts that back on the front pages in peru once again
0: interesting times particularly on that bitcoin story thanks very much to john bonfiglio our um, our very own latin american correspondent there i think that bitcoin story is quite fascinating going to see how that rolls up join the conversation